Welcome back to Black News. I'm Clarence Waldron. And as you know, this program is uh, presented by the Chicago West Community Music Center on the west side of Chicago, produced by Howard Sandifer and his wife, Darlene Sandifer. But tonight we have a very special guest, a true, true dance master, a dance master, the artistic director of the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, Mr. Robert Battle. He's going to tell us how he traveled from childhood days in Miami and how he ended up in New York to run this great dance company. So let me just shut up and let Robert do the talking. Robert, how you doing? I'm doing great, Clarence. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So now with this pandemic, it like, looks like it's about over. So here's the key question. When will the Alvin Ailey Dance Company go back? on tour? Well, um, we will be back on tour, not until next year. Um, uh, we will uh, do our national tour because of course, last year we had to end it early uh, when we were in the middle of our national tour, our domestic tour. So that will start up uh, uh, next year, which we are very excited about. And also the plan is that we will be at uh, City Center in New York in December. Uh, so that's what we're we're shooting for in terms of getting back on that stage. And I mean, I, I love um, all of the content that we've done uh, in the virtual space, but there's nothing like being in a live theater and feeling the people uh, in the house just cheering us on. So we're looking forward to getting back. Yeah, yeah. So now, even now, what what kind of streaming things do you have coming up in the next couple of weeks? There's some things online that we could look look for. Yeah, we have something that we started early on called Ailey All Access. You can find it through our our website alvinailey.org or through um, Instagram. But this kind of started right away. The dancers were brought home, um, and they decided that they would do something like the Brady Bunch and have what we know now is common with us all in these boxes. And they did just the first part of Revelations, Alvin Ailey's masterpiece he created in, in 1960. It's of course, a suite of spirituals, uh, but they did I've Been Buked and I've Been Scorned and they were all in their different homes. And of course, that gave us the idea to do Ailey All Access, which we put, uh, 
um, a lot of things, our, our, our classes, uh, our ALA extension, which is classes for everybody online, our arts and education programs online. We did uh, special content from the dancers. We streamed uh, performances that had happened before and were already in the can, as we say. So we just brought it up all to bear. And so uh, we've done virtual benefits online that have been successful. We'll be doing another one in June. I don't know the exact date. Um, and which is a combination of our spring gala and our gala that we usually have at, at the Kennedy Center. So it's it's exciting, but look for Ailey All Access and we're always putting something up for people to enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, now just the other day we had Cry was online from Mother's Day. Yeah. So it was something that he created for his mother, Alvin Ailey created for his Yes. Yeah. It was a birthday gift for his mother. Um, because he couldn't necessarily afford anything. And so what better gift than a dance? And he made cry, of course, he choreographed it on the legendary Judith Jamison. And in 1971, she performed it and made history. Um, she said that people, she, she couldn't tell because she, that was the first time it's in three section and it's a tour de force of a dance. Um, yeah. just in terms of stamina. And the first time she ran through the whole thing was when the curtain opened in a live performance. So, so she said that she, she could barely hear the people. I mean, she was just floored. And then the next morning, I believe it was the next morning or, or thereafter, the review uh, came out and it was just astounding. And so it's a work that's very near and dear uh, to us as an organization and to audience members who may see it. He put, uh, it's in every program when we do cry, underneath it says, um, uh, it is for our, well, let me stop again, let me go back. Or, Because or <laughs> what is the quote? Because I want to get it right. Oh, so I'll start again with that. So cry was so important to him as a gift to his mother that uh, every, in every program when we perform it, it, it says, for our Black women everywhere, especially our mothers. So for Black women everywhere, especially our mothers. And so I think there's something in that that's so powerful when we perform it, uh, when you see it, and the reason we did it, of course, on Mother's Day to celebrate that. Right, right. Now, is that why it appeals to the Black women in particular? In yeah. Your audience? Yeah. Yes, because as Judah Jemison said, it's about, it's a journey of, you know, being taken from Africa, forced over on a slave ship, being forced into servitude. You see uh, that cloth uh, that, that uh, the dancer holds as like the burden of the world on your shoulders. And sometimes that cloth becomes like a crown, right? And at one moment, then she takes the cloth and then it becomes something to bind her like chains. And then she takes the cloth and is wiping the floor. So being forced into servitude. And so there's this whole journey until the end where it's right on be free, you know? So it's, it's, it's our story in a way. Um, and it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's deep and it's timely uh, to see something about the tenacity of the human spirit to endure and not just survive, but thrive. 
So you were 12 years old when you first saw Revelations. How did that moment change you? It had to. Oh, yes, it did. I mean, you know, I grew up in the church, Wachter Temple, A.M.E. Zion Church. So I'm African Methodist Episcopal Zion. Um, my mother played piano for the church we went to. So of course she practiced at home. So I would hear all the spirituals and all the hymns. Um, and she had a group called the Afro-Americans. They did poetry and song relating to the black experience. So I was hearing Langston Hughes. I was hearing Maya Angelou's poems and all of this growing up in, in the household. And so when I saw Revelations, it related to everything I was learning, but I'd never seen it through dance. And it was like a spiritual awakening in a way. It was seeing people on the stage who looked like me, who was in this big theater getting this wonderful uh, applause and thinking, I want to be like that. So I always say the curtain went down on Revelations and then I stood up and made my way to New York City and eventually at the helm of that company. I mean, that's that story kind of says it all of what Revelations did for me. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever dream that you would come on? No. Did you would leave the, the dance company? No. I mean, I I thought that I had hit the jackpot in terms of a career move when in 2003, Judith Jamison invited me to make my first ballet for the Ailey Company. And she is only, uh, she took over after Alvin's uh, death. Um, um, and so that to me was the best. And all I hope for is to be invited back to do another work, which I was subsequently, but never in that thought process. And, and I'm one with a big imagination and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely driven, but I didn't think that that would, would happen. And partly I think because Judith Jamison is such a strong presence. I just never, never imagined her, you know, sort of, um, uh, quote unquote, retiring. I say that because she's still a foot soldier for Alvin Ailey and his, his legacy. But here I am, you know, even the day when it happened, I mean, of course, there was a process leading up to it. But even when she said to me, uh, look into my eyes, she held my arms, Judith Jamison, on April 28, 2010, about 10 a.m., she said, look into my eyes, it's yours. And with that, only the third artistic director of the company from Liberty City, the Liberty City neighborhood of Miami. It's amazing. It's a spiritual moment. Yes, yes, spiritual. yes. Wow. In your book, um, My Story, My Dance, Robert Battle's Journey to Alvin Ailey, what do you want kids to get from the book? That although I was born with, with certain um, things that were stacked against me, first of all, being born bow-legged, where I had to have braces put on my legs to straighten them out, um, having to, um, I was taken in by my great aunt and uncle uh, because my mother needed support. My, my birth mother, which is different from who I was talking about who plays piano for the church home. Um, but they took me in, my great aunt and uncle. Eventually we moved from Jacksonville to Miami where their daughter lived, daughters, 
but we moved in with one of the daughters after my great aunt had a stroke. And then that daughter, once my great aunt died, became the mother figure. And so it, it, what I want them to get is that use your imagination, you know, that, 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 that belongs to you. It, it costs you nothing uh, to use it, but it can cost you everything if you don't. You have to be able to see yourself right in something. And that's so powerful for young people like me. When I saw those dancers on stage or when you read a story like mine and say, oh, because often we get put on these semi pedestals. Of, and so one has the idea that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. just sort of came out of the wombs uh, making speeches and being the, these things we go through obstacles in our lives that make us the person that we become. And so for somebody to see behind the curtain and say, wow, he struggled. Wow, he came from this place, or Liberty City, and look at where he is now. What are the ingredients that made that happen? I think it's so important for us to tell our stories in order to liberate somebody that we don't even know. Right? It's amazing. Now, in the book, you said, dance is a way to tell one's own story. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Elaborate on that. Because I think one, when one dances or creates dances, but when one dances, even if you're not a dancer, you're saying something about your past, present, and future. You know, I think it's the reason people, you know, you, you, when people go out and dance, I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about social dancing. I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, the training and all of that. But when people say, oh, I felt like I needed to go dancing. And you see them, they, they're almost saying something about something they survived, <laughs> something that they're dancing in spite of, and then future something they're dancing because of. So it's 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 all mixed in there with, you know, you're you're dancing off all of that negativity, right? And you're looking forward. They call it in Africa, I believe it's Sankofa, you know, that that you can't know where you're going if you don't acknowledge where you came from. And I think all that can be found in dance and movement. It is the celebration of life ultimately. And so that's that's kind of the reason I think it, it tells a story. And the other thing is dance is nonverbal. And so in a way, everybody who's watching the dance, based on their own personal experiences, will take something differently away from it. Because we're not telling you how to think or feel, we're just expressing something through movement that will conjure up something for you. And so your story gets imprinted on my story in a way, and it becomes this beautiful nonverbal conversation between the audience and the dancer. So it, it's, it's a form of truth um, with the luxury of ambiguity. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now you went to Juilliard in New York. What, what did your mother say to you in a letter? Did yeah. You, what was that? Yeah, go ahead. You know, as mothers do, I mean, she was, this was the first time I was really away from home you know, and, and, and for 
you know, moving out and, and going to college in 1990. And she, she put little notes and things in different pockets of, you know, a jacket or inside the little lip of the thing, you know, just leaving these little kernels. And one thing she said, remember your talent is what got you there and that's what's gonna keep you there. And I think what she was recognizing is that as a young black boy uh, headed to Juilliard, New York City, that I would have doubts. And that sometimes people would perhaps infer that uh, only because of affirmative action did I have the scholarship I had or whatever that was. So I think she knew all of that and wanted to prepare me, you know, when I needed it. And it 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 rang true, and it 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 um it helped me overcome my own self doubt. Let alone somebody imparting doubt onto me. That never bothered me that much. But my own doubt is what it prepared me for. She also left a note in that said, "Don't stare up at the buildings when you're walking around. People will know that you're not from there, and you could get in trouble. <laughs> somebody will rob." <laughs> So for the first few months, I wanted, you know, it's New York, tall buildings, exciting. I wanted to look around, you know, like a deer, you know, just um, doe-eyed and everything. But I remembered that. So I kind of just looked with my eyelids like that, <laughs> look up at the buildings. So she, she was just preparing me and making sure that I had some information that I was grounded in when I needed it. And it turned out to be true. Who inspired you? Who inspires or inspires? Inspired. Well, either way, inspires even now. Yeah. My mother, Desi Williams, inspired me because, like I said, I mean, her real job, as we like to say, was an English teacher for many years uh, in, in Miami Dade. And so, but she had such a gift for theater, for acting. But at those in those times when she was a young woman, you know, you you had to get a degree in something or you had to get a real job. You can, you know, it, it, it was diff a different time. And but I always thought she was the greatest actress in the world. You know, I always admired her. And then she could play the piano and then she could sing and all that. So those that's some of the first memories I have of admiring and being inspired by someone's talent in that way. And it was her who, the first song she ever taught me was That's Entertainment. And she would play and I would pretend to tap dance when I was a kid. So I'm, I'm a product of all of that. Uh, I'm inspired by the words of Maya Angelou, always have been. And not just the poetry, but the things that she says in a speech, you know, the things that make you think. I remember reading one quote she said that said, um, um, you may suffer many defeats, but you must never be defeated. Now that stayed with me. So it let me know that I'm, I can expect that every now and then I'm gonna feel defeated, but that I'm gonna move on anyway. And so those people, I mean, so many others, I, 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 I'm leaving out tons of people, but I just will name those for, for two, yeah. What kind of things have you put in place at the um, Alvin Ailey Dance Theater? What kind of well, things? 
one of the things I'm excited about is when I started, I, I have this New Directions, we call it New Directions Choreography Lab. And that was to provide a space uh, for choreographers, either budding choreographers or choreographers that already have, you know, significant careers. So that the hard thing about New York City, as you know, is to be able to afford time and space, right? And, and so this was a way of providing studio space for choreographers to work on ideas, also provide a mentor, somebody in the field that they look up to that could be with them in this um, um, seven week process. Um, and then providing select students from the Ailey School to be the dancers for them so they didn't have to pay dancers and they can just work on things. For creative people, playing around in the studio is serious business, you know, because that's sometimes where you find new ways of creating dances, creating anything. But to have the space to be able to do that without the pressure of a product, that's the one stipulation I had that I don't want them to feel that at the end of their residency that they have to show me a dance. I just want them to be safe to fail if, if that's what happens. Safe <laughs> to make something that they say, none of this works. But we have to invest in that because if a dance is what sort of galvanize the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater, and you think about revelations, then that means that dance is important. So we should we should sort of give it to space to, to uh, come to life. And, and I love that because um, that means that we're giving back to the feel at large. And so that's been a wonderful thing. So what is it about the, uh, the, the dance theater that remains so fresh and hip and relevant? I mean, I know you like hip hop and dance, but yes. whatever. So yeah, and I, I like all of that because it reflects the people that are sitting in the audience. And I think that what keeps it fresh is that Alvin Ailey as a person had a certain accessibility and people say that often about the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. People who think that they don't particularly like to go see dance or they don't think they'll understand it or and they get brought to the theater to see a performance and then they never leave in a way. They stay audience members forever because you don't just see an Ailey performance, you feel it, you know, it, 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 it uplifts you. And so once, People feel that, and we're we're aware of that. We're aware, each of my dancers are aware of the power they have to uplift and inspire. And that comes from Alvin Ailey and then to Judith Jamison reminding us that, that, and now me and what I bring to the table. And so I think that's what keeps us fresh, past, present, and future. You will have a work by hip hop choreographer, Rennie Harris, and then you'll have revelations on the same program. So you're seeing what Alvin did, how it inspired the Rennie Harris's of today, or the Ron Browns or the Camille Brown or, or all of these different choreographers, I think that, that would acknowledge that he inspired us all. Right, right. Yeah. Wild is the wind by Nina Simone is one of my favorite actors. So just tell me 
what were you thinking when you put that together? And was it one male dancer or was there several? I don't remember. I know yeah. that I was worn out. Talk to me about that, please. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> it's a one, it's a solo dancer. I made it on a former dancer with Ailey, but he danced with me when I had my small company, Battleworks, back in the day. And it's a solo for a male dancer. And I just, well, first of all, I just love Nina Simone's voice. It, it, she has the type of voice you feel you can reach out and touch it. It's so um, tangible. And boy, does she know how to express the complexities of the human experience in her voice. Uh, it's just, and when she sings that song, Wild is the Wind. So the dance for me has personal residence, uh, relevance, sorry, because when I hear Wild is the Wind, I grew up in Miami, Florida. I grew up where there were hurricanes and the threat of hurricanes, uh, where we'd be sent home because maybe heard we'd be boarding up the window. And so when I hear Wild is the Wind, I think of myself as a little kid. And if it wasn't a really bad hurricane, but just windy, my great uncle and I, we would sit in his pinto. We'd sit so that we could look at the wind blowing and the rain. So I think of being in a vulnerable time in my life. Uh, and you see that in um, Inside is the name of the solo. And inside meaning reflecting on the deepest parts of you, the most conflicted, you know, there's a moment in the dance, you know, where he's cowering, you know, in the corner. He doesn't want to fight, but he realizes he has to fight back because of the bullying, which I was bullied uh, because I was a dancer and because I played piano. I did all the things that would get one bullied. And so I had to study martial arts, in fact, in order to protect myself because I was bullied so often. That's before I was a dancer, but I happened to be a singer and I had a soprano voice. I had one of those voices that didn't change until I was like 12 or so. And so people picked on me. And then I asked my friend, I said, can you teach me how to fight? His name was James Trimble, which is the perfect name for somebody who's a fighter, James Trimble. And, um, and he said, well, my father is a retired third degree black belt. Maybe he can train us. And that's how I started to train in karate in their little living room that was about yay big, but we would, we would train. So that by the time I started dancing, I had a lot of physical discipline because of karate. But the thing that karate gives you is confidence. And so people stopped bothering me, I think because I carried myself differently, that they didn't see a victim, you know, somehow. But yeah, it was an interesting, interesting time. But that that is all a part of that solo, Wild um, Inside to Wild as a Wind. Wow. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your, your, your leg braces. When did they come off again? I mean, what age were you? I'm not quite sure. I was a young, young, young child, just out of infancy, so yeah. What's the best advice you've given an Alvin Ailey dancer? Wow. Phew. I often give advice that's been given to me. Hmm. And one of the things that Judith Jamison always said to me, especially when I was starting out, you know, as artistic director, trust your singular voice 
That's why I hired you. Similar to my mother saying, remember your talent is what got you there and that's what's going to keep you there. It's a similar resonance to me of, of, of just remembering to tell my story. And I think for me, with dancers, I don't always tell them what to think or feel. I just try to give them food for thought. And the way I do that is in the choreographers that I choose to bring in, sometimes through some of the works that I choreograph myself or some of my dances, that's usually where the connections really uh, uh, spark something. Um, but certainly the other thing is one of my teachers, Carolyn Adams, who was my teacher at Juilliard and is a great friend now, um, the one thing in her teaching I think that made it great is that she didn't see her students as broken people that needed to be fixed, that she needed to give them the tools to reveal what is already there. That's a whole different mindset of how you treat somebody. I think of it when you think of trauma. Say if, you know, what happens when, you know, emergency is called because somebody fell or something and, you know, they, they had, they can't get up. It's interesting because we talked about this. The first thing they say is, tell us your name. Now, even if they already know their name because somebody already told them this, this person's name. And the reason they do that is so that the person can gain some control of something, right? It's like, tell us your name. It makes them have to engage and feel that they have some sense of control when they're in a, a, a traumatic situation. So when I think about students coming in with all this vulnerability and you treat them as if they, they already know something, they just haven't, you know, they haven't found out what they know yet. It's just a different way of looking at it. And I remember, you know, the great actress, Bea Richards. I remember yes. seeing a special on her where she said that somebody said to her when she was younger as an actress, she said, you are perfect as you are, maybe not yet realized, but perfect, lacking no essential characteristic. I, yeah, and she said that changed her whole life. Right, lacking no essential characteristic, but maybe not yet realized, but perfect. Yeah. It says much. It yeah. says much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So now, how does it, the dancers stay fit? Is it like, do you train like athletes? You know? Yeah, the dancers do train like athletes. <laughs> Yeah. which is particularly challenging right now. I mean, this is really difficult for dancers to be doing a lot of virtual work, having more time off than usual because we don't have the touring schedule. So they sometimes have been off for weeks, right? Or a couple of months even. And so then we have to, we have to get the dancers back in that kind of shape. And we do sort of a, um, a kind of training, I can't think of the name of it that we, we, we've called it, um, conditioning, that's what we call it, where they're virtual for the most part, 
and we have the physical therapists in there working on certain things via Zoom. And we have a little ballet class, a little gyrotonics. Um, we had a nutritionist saying what you should be eating that will help inflammation or whatever it is. And we will do that for like five weeks just to start getting back up and at it. So that gives you some idea of the fact that they do train like athletes because they yeah. are athletes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, how is, how is your, your girl, Judith Jameson, doing? How is she oh, doing? this week? Was yeah, it? yeah. She just had a birthday and um, she was so celebrated. We did a whole... Um, kind of Zoom event where former dancers uh, that worked under her, her direction, um, talked about performing the solo cry uh, when she would sort of coach them on it. Uh, they talked about all of the different things they learned from Judith Jemison while she was on and just praised her. It was really a wonderful uh, event and it, it was, and I, I know that she knows how many people she has touched uh, in her time as artistic director, um, as a dancer, as a teacher, and now as she continues to, to do interviews, to come in and coach revelations um, and kind of hear it from the horse's mouth as, you were, as it were because of her closeness to Alvin Ely. So she's still going, but we mainly text each other recipes and i send her pictures of the food that i'm cooking and we we you know we we're we're friends so it's it's uh, it's amazing but i still um admire her especially right now sitting in this position as artistic director and having some sense of i can't imagine what it was like to have your friend mentor uh icon die in 1989 after asking her if she'd take the company and then having to kind of soldier everybody forward with all of their grief, with all of the challenges um, as a woman, as a black woman, to be in that directorship. I mean, I think we take for granted what she had to do to navigate all of that, uh, right. to get this company to where it was when I took over. I didn't, I didn't inherit a deficit. I inherited a very strong organization and that's because of her leadership so we cool <laughs> okay good good yeah. could we return to the world of dance again so do you how do you find dances to to do you know do, do you get from the public ideas like 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 the song you know nina simone song yeah but, you know, yeah where do they come from the ideas for the them? ideas come from yeah. many Many different places it, it can come from. I mean, I studied music as a child, as I mentioned before. I, I studied piano. Um, I sang in the church choir. Um, so music to me is usually the first inspiration. You know, if I hear a particular song, classical, um, whatever it may be, drumming, and if I get excited about it, I always want to share it with others and I share it through dance. But when I'm making a dance, I think of myself as another one of the musicians in the, in the, in the piece. So I don't think of taking the dance and putting it on top of the music in a way that the music is just there to support your dance, but you're supporting each other. 
So I, I, I think more like a musician, you know, I read music, I do that kind of stuff when I'm creating that, that informs um, the creativity and the things that I'm inspired by. I just finished making a quartet on, on the Ailey dancers, on my dancers uh, to uh, music by Wynton Marcellus. Uh, and the music just inspires me, you know, that complexity, uh, how brilliant he is. Yeah, and then sometimes you can be inspired by a story. You know, like we just had Rennie Harris, who's um, the street dance choreographer, um, who's done many, a few works for the company. And we were celebrating um, the 60th anniversary of the company. And so we wanted to celebrate Alvin Ailey. And so I asked Rennie Harris to choreograph something that uh, celebrated the life of Alvin Ailey. And he did a work called Lazarus, and of course, biblical, you know, that, that uh, he's alive, he's here with us. In spirit, he's here with us, he's alive. And he did this wonderful storytelling of a two act ballet about Alvin's life. So I'm only saying that to say there are so many ways to get inspiration to make a dance. And this is just a couple of the ways that you can do it. Okay, well, we, we have ran out of time, but I need to ask you one last question. How would you like to be remembered? This is years from now, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, when I think about it is that um, I inspired somebody by the story that I told, that the story of my life, the obstacles I overcame, even if it's, oh, he made me laugh one day when I was just, you know, I have a wicked sense of humor. I, I was feeling a certain way and I could always look to him to make me, things like that mean the most to me. Um, that that somehow my life will be a blessing to somebody else that I will never get to meet. Ooh. Yeah. Anything else you want to share with us while we got you here? It's been 10 years since we've talked. Yeah. Can you it's been a long time? <laughs> when I was talking to Christopher Zunner about that, that you know, our PR uh, head about yes. it's amazing. Yeah. Here, yeah. here, here, here we, we are. are. And we're Still moving forward, you know, I'm yeah. I'm I'm so blessed to be in this position where I get to continue the legacy of Alvin Ailey and I get to see so many people who um, just have been so inspired by this company that they think of it as their company. You know, when we travel around the world, it's amazing. And I hear so many great stories so many stories where it was their first date and they've been married for 30 years or so many stories. I took my, my grandmother took me to see an Ailey performance and now here I am with my granddaughter. I mean, it, it's amazing. And so to be shepherding that in my small way of contributing um, is, well, I wouldn't call it small, but, but it's definitely significant to me when I think of my great aunt and great uncle who are no longer with us taking me in a bow-legged boy as they would say no bigger than a loaf of bread and and here we are i've eaten all the bread <laughs> yeah uh, that's great that's right. great but well, thank you very much for your time thank you, I really thank I you. It. yeah
Mix. 